0: Welcome to the Vertical Church podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Spiders, what are spiders just kind of make sure we're all tracking in the same direction. Spiders are those lies that have been spoken over us that God never intended that we agree with. Whether it was spoken over us by our parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, uh, coach, teacher, friend, self. Sometimes we speak, sometimes we're our own worst enemies because we speak lies over us. And so um, we're we're, we're talking about those. And the first week we talked about insecurity, the, the lie of insecurity that I am never enough. Last week we talked about the lie of fear. What if the very worst thing happens to you? How do you deal with that spider, how do you shape the snake and feed the fire, right? Um, and today we're going to talk about <coughs> shame and condemnation. Uh, we're going to talk about shame and condemnation. And the way I want to start is I just want to start with a Bible study. Um, if, if I were to, and if you were to, um, look at the, the enemy's main activity, you know, like his, his primary weapon in your life and my life, uh, what would that be? Like, if I did that and I tried to analyze, uh, you know, the devil's tactics and his, his you know, his, his intention in my life, I would probably say, just off the top of my head, I will probably say that his number one uh, weapon is temptation, right? Like, uh, he, he does a lot of that. He, uh, he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden, right, snakes slithered along, we hate snakes, and snakes slither along, um, and, you know, eat the, eat the fruit of the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil, and they, they did, they ate it. And then, you know, he tempted, he, he tempted Jesus in, in the wilderness with the, the three temptations that the gospel writers tell us about, right? And then it even says that he, he left him for a season and he was planning to come back and tempt him some more. And so, we you know, Jesus was tempted. He tips me every time I drive down Battlefield Boulevard and I see the hot now sign lit. I'm like, no, devil. I am not stopping. Okay, just this one time. No, uh, the devil, he's a tempter, right? But um, but I think, you know, he tempts, and yeah, I don't know that that's his most deadly weapon. Like, it might be the weapon he uses a lot, but I don't know that it's his most deadly one. In fact, I want to read you a passage of Scripture from Revelation chapter 12, uh, near the very end of the Bible. In fact, this is the only time uh, the devil is called this, Satan is called this name in all of Scripture. Check this out. Verse uh, 10, chapter 12, Revelation 12, 10. If you don't have a Bible, just look at the string. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. And then look at this next verse. Look at this. For the accuser. Now, this is the only time Satan's called this in the Bible. He's called the accuser. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters. And what does he do? He accuses them. Before our God, day and night, the accuser has been hurled down. I think while the, while the enemy might use temptation often, I think his most devastating weapon is accusation. And it's not like temptation and accusation are, are, are together. They go hand in hand. They're like a diabolical tag team, right? They're like Animal and Hawk, Hell's version of Road Warriors, okay? Um thank you. I knew Aaron Hickley would get that joke. There we go. Yeah. Uh, no, they, they they deliver you see, temptation and, and, and accusation deliver like a one-two punch because what happens is 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 the devil gets you to do something That you know you probably shouldn't do. He tempts you, but then when he tempts you, after you give in to the temptation, that's when he starts his real work. Because then he just jumps on you and just starts pummeling you into the mat with condemnation and accusation and, and convincing you that you are something after you did the thing you said you would never do. And what he does is like, he he kicks you with temptation, but then he puts you in the sleeper hold and suffocates the spirit right out of you with accusation and shame and condemnation. You see, temptation might be his most used weapon, but I think his most most devastating, deadly weapon might be accusation, condemnation, shame. In fact, um, the interesting thing is, so we've got this We've got the accuser, right? We've got got the accuser on one side of us. But then Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 26, look at this. Look at this. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So check this out. We've got on one side of us, we've got the accuser. And what's the accuser doing? The accuser's reminding us of everything we did. Look at what you did. You remember what you did. You said that. Can't believe you said that. You're just a jerk. You're no good. You are messed up. You're a horrible husband because you said that. But then on the other side, we've got the advocate who's reminding us not of what we did, but of what Jesus said. And so it's like we're we're caught in this, in this continual fight between the accuser and the advocate. The accuser who's trying to make us ashamed. The accuser who's trying to make us feel condemned. And the advocate who's reminding us of what Jesus said about life. We have an, an advocate, a defender, because thank God I need defending from some of the stuff that I've done, right? Like I've done some horrible junk in my life and so I need an advocate who's got my back, but at the same time, I have this accuser who just is unrelenting in accusations, just continuing, 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 accusing God's servants day and night, Revelation says, day and night, day and night before God. He's just throwing these accusations. This week, I want to talk about how the enemy will take something you did and will try to convince you that what you did is who you are, that, that, that the enemy gets us to do things that we're ashamed of. I would, never, I would never say that again. And then we say it again, and then he just starts in, and he starts the accusation and the condemnation just on us all the time, holding us down with that shame. And so to talk about it, I want to tell you a story from the Bible that you probably already know. Uh, like this story is a very familiar story. We read about it in Sunday school and in Bible studies, and and I want to tell it to you not for really from a different perspective, but I just want to give it a different title. You know, a lot of times, like we'll we'll read this, and it's like Peter's denial, or you know, Jesus is arrested or something. Peter denies Christ, but I want to talk to you this morning about Peter and the rooster. Peter. And the So We had killed the spider. We had shake the snake. I don't know what we're going to do to the rooster, but the rooster is going to try to crow and we need to shut him up. Um, so when we talk about Peter, a lot of times we think about how bold Peter is, right? Because Peter's always the, like sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was bad. Like Peter's always super quick just to like shoot his mouth off. Just 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 say the first thing on his mind. And sometimes that was really great. Sometimes when he would open his mouth, it would be awesome because he was making declarations about who God is and what God has done. And, and you are the Messiah, the, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, man, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but you've, this has been revealed to you by the very spirit of God. And, and so sometimes Peter's boldness is awesome. And sometimes it's like Peter's boldness is, you know, open mouth, insert foot, because he does that so many Times and Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. One time, Jesus calls Peter Satan because he couldn't keep his big mouth shut. And so, Peter's boldness is is the thing that we know about it. But the interesting thing is, is that like in Peter's most famous story, he's the opposite of bold. He's actually horribly, just uh, completely shameful in this moment. And, and it's, it's interesting because it's possible to act unashamed on the outside, but then have your heart full of shame on the inside. And some of you here today, you walked in, and on the outside, you you, you play a good game. On the outside, you, you don't look shameful at all, but you're harboring all of this condemnation and shame internally. And so I want to talk about that this morning. And to do that, let's look at the story. Luke chapter 22, uh, verses 54 through 62 and so uh if you have a bible that's where we're going to be and uh we're going to throw it up on the screen so you can follow along if you don't have a bible check this out luke chapter 22 verse 54 then seizing him they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest him being jesus so jesus is arrested they lead him away and they've taken him to the house of the high priest look what it says peter followed at a distance and i just want to stop right there because how many of us follow jesus at a distance you know what I mean like a lot of us are guilty of that we follow Jesus at a distance our body might be here in church but our heart is far from God like we can it, 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 we honor him with our lips but our hearts are far from him and sometimes our hearts are far from him because of shame because of this feeling of condemnation because of this feeling that well I'm not really worthy to be in relationship with Jesus I've messed up so many times I'm not really good enough for that i Uh, And our hearts are just full of shame. And, and And when we're full of shame, it has a way of distancing us from God. Because that's condemnation's goal. Okay, that's one of the things I want you to see this morning is condemnation's goal is to distance you from God and divert your attention from Him so it can just continue to pound you on the head okay like that's condemnation's goal and we're going to talk about this here in a second but condemnation and conviction are two radically different things conviction is a gift of god conviction is an invitation to come to god confess our sins which means agree with him about what we did and allow him to cleanse us conviction is an invitation to relationship condemnation is a temptation to divert my attention away from god Conviction draws me to God. Condemnation makes me run away from God. Condemnation makes me follow at a distance. And that's what Peter's doing. He's following at a distance. He wants to see what's going to happen. It's not going to turn out very well. Verse 55. When some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked at him and and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman... I don't know him, he said. Peter could use a manner lesson or two, but it's cool. Verse 58, a little later, someone else saw him and said, You are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Yeah, it did. Yeah, the rooster crowed. Luke gives us the clean version. One of the other gospel writers says that, that Peter curses and says, I don't know who you're talking about. It's the, it's the pressure of the moment gets to Peter because, because he's, he's afraid that his association with Jesus is going to get him in trouble. And so, so that fear, that shame put, pushed him to a distance, and now the rooster is crowing. And it's reminding Peter of what Jesus said that he was about to do. Jesus Jesus told them he would do this, and Peter, so strong, man, Peter asserted, he's like, I will never, never, Jesus, no, you are wrong, Jesus, I will never betray you, and then now he finds himself, and the rooster's crowing. Can you hear the rooster crowing in your life? The rooster's crowing, and then look what happens. Verse 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Because that's what shame will do to you. Shame will drive you outside of his presence and cause you to weep bitterly. Not because of just what you did. But now I got this sense that, that Peter's not crying because, because of what he did. But he's crying because his failure has meant that he's a failure. He, he failed Jesus and now he's a failure for Jesus, And I imagine Peter just, just kneeling there weeping, thinking, you know, just a few days ago, I was there with Jesus. I was standing with him. I was listening to him teach. I, I saw him do the miracles. And, and just a few hours ago, I was declaring that I would never betray him. I was yelling in his face, I'll never leave you, Lord. Now I'm yelling at this little girl, doing what I said I would never do. And that's the moment that the accuser jumps on you. And just starts like you, you already realize what I did was wrong. But then the accuser starts. And he starts hurling his accusations. And they always come in first person, okay? The accuser always talks to you. Like we said, week one, the, the, the spiders always talk to you in first person. So 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 you realize what I did was wrong, and then the accusation starts flying. Like, like Peter's thinking, what's wrong with me? Why? Why do I always do this? Why do I get myself in trouble with my mouth? Why why do I mess up everything? Why is it that I'm always rubbing crap all over the blessings of God in my life? Why am I just like my dad? Why do I fly off the handle and, and say words in anger that I didn't mean? Are we talking about Peter? Are we talking about me? Maybe both. What are the accusations that swirl around in your mind what is it that the what is it that the rooster crows at you what's wrong with me you're you're just like your mom you're always manipulating people you're always gossiping you're always cheating i'm just like my mom i'm just like my dad i always lose my temper some of us have our own issues right like you have your own issues some of you struggle with your temper and you get mad and you fly off the handle and you, you cuss at people and and, and, and swear at them and, 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 and it's not like in, in jest, but you're you're angry and you let your anger drive you to say things that you wouldn't normally say. And and some of us are manipulative and we we twist our words and we use our words to get our way to fulfill our selfish desires. And some of us we have substance abuse problems because we say, Well, I'm just gonna have one or two, but one or two turns into five, six, or seven, and I'm standing in the driveway of my own house while my kids are woken up by my screaming at my neighbor because we're in a fight now because I don't have enough self-control to be able to manage my life and my situation. And now the spider just starts accusing. And the rooster starts crowing crowing. It might have even started as conviction, but it's turned into condemnation. And condemnation is a weapon of the enemy. Like we say, conviction is a gift from God. It's, it's God it's God coming to us and saying, hey, hey, you see this in your life? Let's talk about this. I want to change this. But matter of fact, I'm not, I'm not going to expect you to change it. I'm going to give you my power, my grace, my love, and it's going to motivate you, and my spirit is going to work in you, and we're going to, we're going to work on this. See, conviction is always very specific about the thing you did. Condemnation takes the thing you did And just creates this feeling of Why am I such a mess Why am I such a terrible mom Why am I such a terrible dad Why, why, why am I such a terrible employee Why am I such a horrible person Because God will say Let's fix this thing in your life But, but condemnation says Your whole life is jacked up You're just a, you're just a messed up person both of them will try to remind you, but, but, but condemnation will remind you of something you need to change while simultaneously convincing you that change is impossible. That's right. Yeah, I need to change that, but I'll never change that because I'm not the kind of person that can change that. Like, I want to believe that I'm full of the Spirit. I want to believe God's power is working in me, but why am I so selfish? I, I, why, if I really am a follower of Jesus, then why wouldn't I and then just insert the last thing you did? Like why wouldn't I get this right? Why wouldn't I? Uh, why did I miss that opportunity? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? And then we just hear the rooster. And if I could do a impersonation of a rooster crowing, I would. But I, my voice doesn't get up that high anymore. Don't do it. It'd be weird, distracting. You start crowing in the middle of church. Can you hear the rooster in your own life? It crows, and it's incessant, man. It just doesn't stop. Henry Cloud wrote a book. Uh, he's a Christian psychologist. He wrote it, He has a whole series of books. They're called Boundaries. Uh, Boundaries for parents. Boundaries for and he, one I read was Boundaries for Leaders. And uh, he talks in this book about uh, the three P's of negative thinking. Uh, the three P's of negative thinking. What he says is that the three P's of negative thinking are personal, permanent, and pervasive. And I think that condemnation is a master of the three P's. And I think when we hear the crow of condemnation, we hear these three Ps over and over. I just want to go through these one at a time real quickly. Personal. Condemnation, like we said, will always speak to you in the first person about your failure. Now, obviously, we have to take our sins seriously right like we we don't want to just like play light with sin because because sin is a big deal it costs Jesus Christ his life and so we have to be honest about our sin but but a lot of times we go we go beyond confessing our sin and we begin defining ourselves according to our sin and we begin saying things like like I'm a mess. You know, why, why do we slap these labels on us that's just like, you know, why am I so jacked up? Why am, I, why am I just like my dad? Why am I a wreck? Why am I an angry person? What's wrong with me? So see, condemnation will make it personal and take it from what I did to what's wrong with me. It's not what I did, but there's something wrong with me. I'm just a, I'm just a horrible person. Condemnation will make it personal. Condemnation will make it permanent. Condemnation will create this hopelessness by convincing you that you're never going to change. I've always been this way. My dad struggled with this. My grandfather struggled with this. All of his brothers and sisters struggled with this. and just must be in the blood. I just must have the angry gene. I just must have the gossip gene. I'll always be like this. That's just the, the crow of the rooster convincing you that it's permanent. It's permanent. You're never going to change. You've always struggled. You're always going to struggle. You're never going to conquer this. You're never going to grow. You're never going to see any forward movement on this thing. And then condemnation, or, yeah, condemnation is also pervasive. It's pervasive. It's personal. What's wrong with me? It's it's permanent. Why do I always mess this up? And it's pervasive. Why do I always mess up everything? Because, see, that's the interesting thing about condemnation it'll take one area of your life and then spread it to everything else. When the truth is you're doing really good everywhere else. Like the truth is you're doing awesome in so many areas of your life, but there's this one thing, this one test that you're failing, and so you just say, man, because of that, Everything is messed up in my life. It's pervasive. It just it, it it isn't satisfied to just wreck one room in your house. It wants to pour the gasoline, light the match and set the whole home up on fire, right? Like let's just light it all, watch it burn because my life as a whole is messed up and you just hear the rooster crowing. Cock a doodle do, right? Every morning when you wake up, you hear the rooster crowing. Personal. It's permanent pervasive. What's wrong with me? Why do I mess up stuff? Why do I mess up everything? Why can't I ever get this right? And see what happens. Peter wakes up the next morning, right? And guess what wakes him up the next morning? The rooster crowing. Because he lives basically on a farm and there are tons of roosters and they don't have iPhones. No alarms going off. The alarm is the crow of the rooster so in the morning, the rooster crows, and he wakes up, and he's reminded of everything again. Why did I mess it all up? Why did I throw it all away? And he's transported back to the place of his failure. I wonder this morning, what, what roosters are crowing when you wake up? What, what is it that reminds you of your failure? Is it, is it when you talk to other married people, you're reminded of the marriage that failed? What's the rooster sound like to you? Is it a relationship that you wrecked? Is it is it, is it a job that that, that that you lost because let's just be honest with you, you were lazy and you showed up, you couldn't show up to work on time, and so you got you got fired. And now it's just like you know every time you, you 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 hear that rooster, you're just taken back to that same place. And it's not the big stuff. It's it's the it's the kids cup that you throw and hit against the wall because they left the milk in it for 48 hours and now it's you know congealed and hardened and it's like. Ah, right, you see it. Listen, man, I'm just real. Right, let me just remind you. What's the reminder in your life that you're a failure? That you mess up everything? Because that's how the devil operates, man. He 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 crows in your face when you wake up in the morning, when you go to work, when you go to school. You can't shake it because it's personal, it's permanent, it's pervasive. God help us, we use condemnation in church. <laughs> we try to get people to change because of shame. Like, like a lot of church life is just shame-based behavior modification. And we get people to come to church, and we're like, we try to shame them into growing in Christ, and the reality is shame won't cause you to grow. That's right. That's right. Only grace will do that. It's not. Here's the thing. This is the last thing I'm going to say, and then we're going to pray and wrap up. It's not the crow of the rooster that changed Peter's life. It's not. See, we, there, it's such a small detail in the story. Actually, let's, let's go to the slide where it's got a little bit of uh, verse 60. It starts with just as he was speaking. Let's look at this. I want to show you this. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And that's what we hear. Well, when the, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. And we think, well, the rooster crowed reminded Peter of his failure. But that's not what got Peter to straighten up. It's not what changed Peter's life. Look at this. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered. Friend, the crow of condemnation wants to divert your attention away from the face of Jesus so that you never see him look back at you. wonder what Jesus' face looked like in that moment. Was he disappointed? Couldn't be. He prophesied to Peter that he was going to do this. Jesus knew this was about to happen, so he wouldn't be disappointed. Was he? Did, did Jesus put his angry eyes on in the moment? No, because Jesus already knew he, that, that Peter was going to be the guest preacher on Pentecost Sunday, and thousands of people were going to come to know him. Jesus didn't look at him. I bet Peter saw the same thing that he saw in Jesus' eyes for three and a half years. The same thing that inspired his his total allegiance and devotion. See, it wasn't the crow of condemnation that changed Peter's life. It was the look of love that turned everything around for Peter. It's when he was at his lowest point. He wasn't driven away from the face of Jesus by the crow of condemnation. He saw the look of love on Jesus' face. Because isn't that what Scripture says? That it's his kindness that causes us and brings us to repentance? You see, some of us are afraid of looking God eyeball to eyeball yes. because we're ashamed yes. right. of what we've done. Because we've listened to the crow of condemnation so long, now we are convinced that, that, that Jesus won't love us because we're not worthy of it. And some of us today, you can't look God in the eyes because of what you did. Shame is trying to make you hide from God. This is what happens to Adam and Eve, right? Like they 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 they, they take the bait, they take the temptation, then they 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 start hearing the crow of condemnation and God's looking for them and Adam says what? He says, "I hid because I heard you coming." That's what condemnation will do. It'll cause you to hide when God comes close. And so some of us we can't lift our hands in worship because because it's like shame makes us hide from God I can't look at him I can't sing to him because of what I've done and 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 conviction is trying to draw us to God and condemnation is trying to push us away from God and the whole time God's just saying listen don't run away from me don't listen to the crow actually no 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 listen to the crow of the rooster when, when the rooster starts crowing, hey, hey, it's personal, it's permanent, it's pervasive. You got to remind the rooster some things. That's what we're going to do today. We kill the spider, shake the snake, remind the rooster. That's it. Remind the rooster. Here's how you remind the rooster. When the rooster starts coming, why? Why am I so messed up? What's wrong with me? And he starts trying to make it it personal. That's when you say, oh, no, 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 it is personal. For God so loved the world. Not just the world, rooster. God so loved me that he sent his son to die for me. Not so that I would be condemned, but so that I would be saved. Oh, it's personal. His grace is personal in my life. Let me talk to you about being personal. What's wrong with me? No, what's right with me? I am a child of God. I am adopted by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I am his and he is mine. It's personal. it's permanent. You're always going to be like this. You're never going to change. You're always gonna struggle with this. The rooster just comes and, and he crows and he said and you say, No, 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 no. You know what? I know what's permanent. For I am convinced that 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 nothing in all of creation, neither height nor depth, nor anything, can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus my Lord. We wanna talk about permanent rooster. I'll tell you something that's permanent. The love of God is permanent. Nothing I do is gonna separate me from his love. That's permanent. And it's pervasive. Oh, yeah, it's pervasive. The one who's filling everything with his glory is filling my heart. And he's taking me from glory to glory as I stare at his face. Oh, it's pervasive. It's working its way out in me. And it might not got to that spot yet, rooster. It's still working its way out. I've accepted Jesus. I've, I have his spirit living inside of me. And it's working its way out of me. Because that's what, the, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to come inside of you for you. And then work its way outside of you for others. So Jesus says, you have an accuser and you have an advocate. And the accuser wants to remind you of what you did. But the advocate wants to remind you of who I said you are. So who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the accuser or are you going to listen to the advocate? Who are you going to listen to this morning? The crow of the rooster. Want to, he, the, the crow of the rooster is just going to remind you of all of your failures. And you know what? You're going to fail. You're going to have a dark moment. You're going to drop the ball. You're going to say some stuff. You're going to do some things. But, but like Jesus tells Peter, prophesies to Peter before he, he, even, he even denies him. He says, but when you turn back, not if, but when, when you turn back, Peter, strengthen your brothers. What are you going to listen to this morning? Whose voice are you going to hear? Because the voice, you, the voice you listen to will determine the future you experience. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.